You're listening to another episode of the Just Go Bike Podcast. That's AKA Murph. And that's AP. And this is the podcast where we talk about cycling just for the fun of it with tales from all over the nation. Come for the bikes, stay for the fun, and leave with a smile. Well, hey there, AP. Well, hello, Murph. How's it going? Well, great. I just got back from the Ragbri office, at which I can Ooh. bring my dogs now. Ooh, I have seen a couple of fun photos on social media of your dogs at work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and believe it or not, I have been getting some work done as well. So <laughs> Good. And they look like they're, I, I mean, at least in the photos, they look very well behaved and they look right at the camera as if to say, I'm here, I'm doing whatever needs to be done to get <laughs> to get the work done. That's right. And I apologize to listeners for talking about my dog so much on the podcast, but <laughs> I'm not supposed to be giving away any details about our new office location yet. So that's all I got. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, and you know, once we uh, spilled the beans as far as the background of Rex, Ragbri Rex, mm -hmm. I think that you're free to communicate as much as you want about dogs. Oh, he's fair game. Yeah. Well, he's <laughs> been helping me roll posters, so he's doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so we have an interesting episode today, and uh, like, I don't even know how to explain it except to just get right into it, right? Yeah, let's just dive right in. And basically, we both share a love of podcasts, of mm. podcasting, and naturally, with that, we listen to a lot of a wide variety of podcasts. I'm a pretty big podcast listener, but it's only during certain times, like when I'm out mm. walking or hiking. Uh, I don't drive very often, but when I drive, I usually pop in a podcast. And sometimes mm -hmm. when I bike, it has to be kind of a safe situation. But there are times yeah. when I'll have one earbud in and I listen to podcasts. So how about you? Yeah, for me, definitely when I'm driving, always when I'm driving. And then sometimes I also, when I'm doing the exercise bike inside, or I guess, I mean, it's not really an, I don't have an exercise bike, but when I'm on the trainer, oh, yeah. I always listen to podcasts. Yeah. 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 And uh, looking at, I think it was like the top 20 podcast I looked up. One of them is very dear to both of our hearts. Uh, one of the that's most right. listened to podcast is My Favorite Murder. Yes, that's right. I've been a fan of that podcast for so long now. I mean, I've listened to every single episode at least once. Oh, yeah. So and <laughs> you're, I don't know if you remember this, but you're the reason that I am also hooked to this podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's fun that we can share that. I mean, just something outside of biking that we can talk about and yeah. enjoy. Yeah, So. yeah. And I don't know if we want to get into this too much, but um, my my favorite my favorite murder connection is that when they did the live show in Des Moines, they mentioned a photo that a Des Moines registered photographer had taken on the pre-ride at the Velisca Axe Murder House. Yeah, oh, yeah. So it kind of all comes together and maybe that's another, a story for another time, but yeah, <laughs> it's all tied together. Yeah. And basically my favorite murder, it's kind of a, it's a true crime podcast, but it's a tiny bit of comedy as well. And, mm -hmm. you know, not to say they're not making a light of the situation that somebody was murdered, but they kind of put their own little twist on uh, the comedy side yes. of things. Wouldn't you, would you agree with that? Yeah. It's sort of like, they explain it being like, um, it's when things are so dark and sad in the world, uh, sometimes you respond in a light way with humor to try to lessen the stress of it all or yeah. like the seriousness of it all. So they look at it in a light way and they never make fun of the victims or anything right. awful. Right. It's just, um, kind of taking a lighthearted view of it. Right. Okay. Yeah. So we both love my favorite murder 
And this week, to honor my favorite murder, we're going to tell the listeners about an unsolved murder mystery. (sighs) Yes. And so tell me, how is this really, it's a murder mystery. How does it really be appropriate on a cycling podcast? Oh, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you about, it's called The Green Bicycle Case. Ooh, and... I have not read anything about this case yet, so I will be surprised right there along with you, dear listener. Yeah, and so this is true My Favorite Murder style of podcast episode because typically one of the hosts will tell the story to the other host and they're Mm -hmm. listening to it for the first time. So um, I I don't know if every any listener has heard of the Green Bicycle case, but it's a very um, well-known case based out of England. So I'm going to tell you this. And just really quickly, my sources for this episode, um, of course, is Wikipedia. And then also a guy named John Driscoll. He has a YouTube channel called Horror and Crime by John Driscoll. So I got a lot of the information from both of those. Oh, awesome. Well, good. Good to cite your sources. So if people want to learn more, they can go ahead and do that. Yes, definitely. Okay, so are you ready? Oh, I've never been more ready in my whole life. <laughs> and, and a lot of this I'm going to be reading, so my voice might sound not sound the same as our normal episodes, but I'm sure you'll get used to it, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> or you can give me a hard time. I don't care. <laughs> okay. We'll see how it goes. Okay. So the Green Bicycle case was a British murder investigation and subsequent trial pertaining to the, the fatal shooting of Miss Bella Wright near the village of Little Straighton in Leicester on... July 5th, 1919. Ooh, so almost 100 years ago. Yeah, dun, dun, dun. Over 100 years ago. Okay. Yeah. So Wright was killed by a single bullet wound to the face. The case takes, yeah, the case takes its name from the fact that on the evening of her death, Wright had been seen cycling in the company of a man riding a green bicycle. Ooh. The plot thickens. A green bicycle. Yes, I know. Okay, so Ronald Light, a 33-year-old mathematics teacher, is considered the prime suspect in Wright's murder. Light Mm. did not come forward in response to an extensive media appeal to trace a man matching his description seen on a green bicycle. Hmm. And he is known to have made attempts to dispose of both his bicycle and revolver holster in a canal (sighs) following her death. I'm imagining a old school green bicycle with a revolver holster, like built into the frame or like, you know, strapped Ooh. onto the frame. <laughs> like, that'd be <Ooh>. cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. All and right. can I ask you a question? Were they both on bicycles or just the man? They were both on bicycles. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Upon his arrest, Light initially denied, then admitted to being in the company of Wright shortly before her death. Mm, suspicious. Uh-huh. He consistently denied killing her. He was defended in court by Sir Edward Marshall Hall, who largely based his defense on the lack of motive for Wright's death. Hmm. And guess okay. what? Ronald Light was acquitted of this crime. <gasps> uh, yeah, but remember, dastardly. remember, it's unsolved. So as okay. we read through this, like, I'm gonna see if you if you think he's guilty or innocent. Okay, I already think he's guilty, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this case would be. Okay. This case would prove to be one of UK's most celebrated and controversial murder cases of the 20th century, with opinions varying among authors as to Light's guilt 
and the actual motive Mm. behind the crime. Should her death not have been the result of misadventure? Oh. I almost should be reading this in an English accent, shouldn't I? (laughs) Yeah, it would be delightful. (laughs) But uh, I will say this case has been described by one author as the most fascinating murder mystery of the century. Hmm. Yeah, it almost seems like an Agatha Christie sort of Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Okay, let's meet Bella Wright. Okay. She, She, of course, is the victim. Yes. Annie Bella Wright was born July 14th, 1897 in Summerby, Leicester. She's the eldest of seven children. And from about 1895, the family lived in a thatched cottage in the village in the village of Stockton, Leicester, four miles outside of the city. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Okay. Wright had attended school until the age of 12 before beginning work as a domestic servant, subsequently obtaining a job at a rubber factory in Leicester, approximately five miles from home. Oh, so I'm trying to think of, there's a British murder mystery show that I really love that takes place, oh, Midsummer Murders. Have you ever heard of Midsummer Murders? No. This sounds like the exact setting of Ooh. Midsummer Murders, where it's like small cottages and British yeah. country life, and they're all like, they're working in the local rubber factory. Yeah. <laughs> and remember, it's 1919 when yeah. she was murdered. So, I mean, this is a long time ago. Yeah. And it would have been fairly revolutionary for a woman to have a factory job like that. It was pre-World War II where it was like Rosie the Riveter and like yeah. people actually allowing women to out of the home to not, you know, cross stitch or whatever. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So Okay. So she regularly traveled to work on her bicycle. And at mm. the time of her death, she was working the late shift at the factory. And as such, in the summer of nineteen nineteen was known to have cycled through the villages and hamlets around Little Stratton to perform errands or visit acquaintances in the late afternoon hours. So her being on a bicycle was not out of the ordinary. Hmm. She sounds like our kind of lady. I know, yeah. Biking Um, around. And actually, I'm glad that you said that because at the time of her death, Wright was described as a girl with good looks and of good character. Ah, yes. So she is our kind of lady, isn't she? Uh, She was 21 years old and engaged to be married to a Royal Navy stoker named Archie Ward. Oh, okay. Okay, so now let's meet Ronald Light, who may or may Hmm. not have been the murderer. Okay. Definitely was. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Ronald Vivian Light was born on October 19th. 1885, and he was the son of a wealthy civil engineer. Okay. Okay, this is interesting. According to a prosecution brief from the murder trial, Light was expelled from Oakham School in 1902 at the age of 17 for, and I quote, lifting a little girl's clothes over her head. (gasps) What a creep. Yep. That same brief states that in his 30s, he attempted to seduce a 15-year-old girl. Ew. Yeah, so... I'm not feeling good about Ronald Light right now. No, he seems like kind of an entitled private school kind of kid that yeah. just always gets what he wants. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Immediate impressions. I don't know. I know. We don't know him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Light was a graduate of the University of Birmingham, where he graduated as a civil engineer before gaining employment as a draftsman at the Derby Works in mm. 1906. Okay. Uh, fortunately, he would be fired from this firm in 1914. <laughs> 
suspected of setting a fire in a cupboard. Ew. <laughs> and, <laughs> and of drawing indecent graffiti in the lavatory. Oh, get your stuff together, man. Yeah, yeah. It says later, yeah. Light was dismissed from employment at a farm accused of setting fire to the haystacks. <laughs> Somebody needs to take that man's matches away. I know. What's going on, Ronald? Come on, man. Yeah, Ronald. Keep it. Keep it. <laughs> unlit (laughs) okay and in may 1910 remember the murder happened in 1919 Mm -hmm. so in 1910 light purchased a green bsa folding bicycle from orton brothers oh folding bicycle now that's kind of cool and it's green remember yeah so we like i mean i like his taste in bicycles even if i don't like him (laughs) this bicycle had a distinctive green color and an uncommon coaster brake Oh, I wonder what that means. A coaster brake. Well, a coaster brake is when you push your pedals backwards. It that's how the brake oh, works. Oh, 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 right. But it must have been okay. uncommon for that time or that style of bicycle. Oh, all right. Okay. That's okay. All, it's all coming together. Yeah. So around this time, he also became a member of the Royal Engineers, which is like the military. Yep. Okay. Okay. So following and so Oh, go ahead. Yep, go ahead. Nope. Well, no. I was just gonna say so nineteen ten, that would have been just a couple years before World War One would have started, and then yes. World War One would have gone on the whole time, and then ended right before she got murdered. Oh my gosh, you are on it, girl! <gasps> Look at him. Okay, all right, <laughs> history. Okay, following the outbreak of the First World War, Light underwent oh. yeah, Light underwent training at all these different places. He was commissioned as a second lieutenant in February 1915 before being deployed to the Western Front. Ooh. I don't know. I don't know a lot of World War One history, but I know that the Western Front was not good. Yeah. Okay. Well, we know okay. that Ronald's maybe not the best of guys, so he was court-martialed in 1917 <laughs> <laughs> for forging move orders. After oh, okay. after three years of active service, Light was classified as suffering from severe shell shock and partial oh. deafness, and sent back to England to undergo psychiatric treatment. I mean. Good guy or bad guy, he probably was. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Yeah. It, so, all right, go get get that mental health care, bud. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Following yeah. recuperation at several army hospitals in England, Light returned to live with his mother in Leicester. He was demobilized in January 1919, and would later claim to have been quote sent home a broken man. Oh, well, he's, he went there, a broken man, too, Mr. Arsenis. Right, I know, yeah. And on a side <laughs> yeah. note, back in September of 1916, Light's father died in an apparent accident, although his death has been suggested to have been suicide. Oh. And Light's mother explained that the, possible su- that the possible suicide resulted from the father's concern for his son's safety as he served on the Western Front. Oh, that seems weird, like... Oh, I'm so worried about my son. I'll die. Yeah, I'm going to kill myself. That's strange. There must be more to that story. I know. Okay, let's get into July 5th, 1919, which is the poor ending to Bella Wright's life. Okay. Okay. So, by all accounts, Wright and Light met by chance on July 5th, 1919, at around 6.45 p.m. as she rode her bicycle to the village of Galby, where her uncle George resided. According to Light's testimony at his trial, as he rode his bicycle towards the crossroads where Galby Lane crosses Houghton Lane, he observed a young woman bending over her bicycle, and she raised her head in his direction as he approached her. 
and she asked him if he had a spanner in his possession. Do you know what a spanner is? It's a, some kind of tool. It's a wrench, yes. Oh, okay, yes. all right. So she asked him if he had a spanner in his possession to help tighten a loose freewheel on her bicycle. Oh. He did not have one in his possession, but did what he could to resolve the problem. <laughs> you mean like just sort of try to tighten it by hand? Probably. I, mean. <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of picturing in, you know, in 1919, like he's probably like dressed in a suit and she's in a dress and it's very fancy. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And they like, once they finished tightening the nut or whatever, they were both drinking tea and having biscuits. <laughs> and stuff. That's how I imagine it for sure. Yes. yes. Okay. Uh, okay. So having learned in their brief conversation of Wright's intended destination to Galby to see her uncle, Light offered to accompany her on her journey. And this oh. is an offer she accepted. You so, know, that's still a problem today where, like, I'm just trying to ride by myself. And I'm not usually unfriendly on the bike. So if somebody comes up and rides, asking me if they we want to ride together, I always say yes, even if I don't want to ride with someone else. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, okay. But, I mean, this is, doesn't happen very much, but sometimes right, right. it's hard to say no. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, but she did accept, right? So, yeah. Light accompanied Wright to the cottage of her uncle and waited for her outside the premises. Creepy. Yes. In route, the two were observed by several independent witnesses. The uncle later informed officers he liked neither the looks nor the mannerisms of light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that his niece had informed him she had only encountered this individual this evening stating oh him i don't really know him at all he's been riding yeah. alongside me for a few miles but he isn't bothering me at all he's just chatting oh. about the weather okay well i mean that's very proper i mean yeah but in that time she's engaged to be seen with another man i mean I could know. be yeah. quite dangerous to her social profile i i agree yeah. Okay. Okay. Although Wright remarked to her uncle that Light had behaved like a perfect stranger in her company, just before leaving his cottage, she jokingly informed him, I hope he doesn't get too boring. <laughs> and then she added, I shall try and give him the slip. Yes. Very good. Oh, I like her. Yes. And the slip, of course, means to get away or go, you know, lose him. Yeah. I bet she could drop him. Drop him. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, when Wright exited her uncle's cottage and approached her bicycle, Light was overheard greeting her with the remark, Bella, you've been a long time. I thought you had gone the other way. Like, at that point, take the hint, buddy. <laughs> right. Just go. Yes. Okay. So now the two rode away from the uncle's cottage at approximately 8.50 p.m. And okay. according to... Light's subsequent testimony, when the two approached a certain junction, Wright informed him she would have to bid goodbye to him at that stage, as she intended to go to the left. He then claimed to have proceeded directly back to Lester by going to the right. Hmm. Okay. I mean, it does seem kind of weird that he just, like, just let her leave, quote-unquote, let her leave after waiting on her for so long and yeah. just sort of, like, hanging around. Also, I was thinking... Eight o'clock at night in July, it's still pretty bright out. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, so it's they actually, can still see. It's 8.50. So oh, I would, so, mm -hmm. that would be another reason why you'd think he would not leave her because he would be concerned yeah. about her safety. That would be the point at which any danger would probably happen. Speaking of danger. Yeah. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Okay. Approximately 30 minutes after Wright and her companion had ridden away from the uncle's cottage, 
Wright's body was found on Gartree Road by a farmer named Joseph Cole. Oh, at least she was found nearly right away. Yes. Her body was discovered alongside her bicycle, and her face was extensively bloodied with deep gouge marks visible on her cheeks and jaw. Oh, wow. Now that's grisly. Yeah. So, yeah. Surmising the girl may have been run off the road by a motorist, Cowell initially deduced she had fallen from her bicycle and fatally injured herself. So oh. it's clear to me that her face was bloodied in a way that it like it wasn't visible how maybe she died, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But think about how you fall off a bike face first. It would have had to be like your tire got stuck and you went down real fast. Re- yeah. Otherwise it'd be your hands. Yeah, you're right. right. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Okay. Well. Okay. So remember, it's 1919. So Cowell, the farmer, proceeded to nearby Great Glen to report his discovery to a local policeman, which was Constable Alfred Hall. Ooh, a constable. <laughs> yes. Okay. Constable... Now we're getting British. <laughs> yes. Constable Hall phoned a doctor, Dr. Williams, and Dr. Williams came to Constable Hall's residence where Cowell was there, and the trio returned to Little Straighton, where the doctor gave instructions that the girl's body, so she's clearly deceased, um, the girl's body will be moved to a nearby unoccupied house upon Cowell's trap. Do you know what a trap is? Uh, Isn't a trap uh, a horse cart? Yes, it's a horse-drawn carriage, like a two-wheeled one. Okay. Well, and so it would certainly be dark by that point. So they're just trying to get her somewhere where they can see what's going on. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Dr. Williams made a candlelight examination at the scene before ordering Wright's body to be moved to the unoccupied house. And he agreed with Cowell's initial assumption that she had died in a simple bicycle accident from a combination Hmm. of loss of blood and a head injury. Interesting. Well, and I'm sure she wasn't wearing a helmet. So a head injury, now that does seem likely. Yeah, exactly. Within the realm of possibility. Right, right, right. Yeah. So not accepting this explanation, Constable Hall returned to the scene the next morning at 6 a.m. to search for any signs of foul play. Mm. Good on you, Constable. Yeah. And a careful search uncovered a bullet 17 (sighs) feet from where Wright's body had lain. Oh my God, a bullet. Now that is a sharp eye. I mean, seriously, yeah. in a country lane. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Yeah. So then he proceeded to the unoccupied house and he washed the congealed blood off the face of the corpse. And guess what he found? Oh. Uh, I don't know what. A single entry wound beneath <gasps> the left eye. Oh my God. Now that's crazy that they wouldn't have seen that or an exit wound. I yeah, mean. yeah. Okay. So after Hall's discovery, Dr. Williams and another doctor performed a full postmortem upon the body, discovering mm. the victim had been shot beneath the left eye from a distance of six to seven feet and that the bullet had exited the rear of her skull. Oh, wow. Huh. Okay. But her face is all cut up. So I wonder if maybe she just fell after that. Yeah. After or maybe shot. the impact of the bullet, kind of like yeah. where it went into her bones i don't know Hmm. yeah so obviously the dead girl was identified by relatives as bella wright and now an inquest into her death is murder it's a murder yes it's a murder all right and did they 
are you going to talk about what kind of bullet it was or anything? Um, they do talk about the kind of bullet, and it is from a military gun. Oh, okay. Because you would almost say in the middle of the country it could be like a stray shotgun shell or something, but that's clearly yeah. not the case. Yes, you're right. So yeah. the okay. it was like a, I think it, it was a forty five caliber bullet, and that is the same sort of bullet that is in military guns. And remember, he was in the military, so. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The pieces fit. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Okay, so now we know this is a murder. Bella yes. Wright is deceased, and we don't know who did it. Or maybe you okay. think you know who I mean, did it. Okay, well. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, let's get into the investigation. All right. Police inquiries revealed nobody except Wright and her riding companion had been in the vicinity of Gartree Road at the time of her death. Hmm. As several people had seen the riding companion, investigators were able to obtain a detailed description of this individual. 35 to 40 years old, a broad full face, 5 foot 7 to 5 foot 9 in height. Okay. And... True to 1919, he had been wearing a gray suit, a gray cap, collar and tie, and black boots. (laughs) Gray, 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 gray. Yeah, I know. (laughs) The chief constable appeals to both local and national press, urging this man to come forward, and no one came forward. Well, I mean, if you were the murderer, I wouldn't either. Right, I know. Yeah. Yeah. So, Thorough checks of all premises where bicycles were bought, sold, or repaired for the distinctive green bicycle also failed. Hmm, interesting. Yep. Then on July 10th, a Leicester bicycle repairman named Harry Cox informed police that the day of the murder, he had repaired a bicycle matching this description. Yes. So earlier in the day, remember this murder happened in the evening. Oh, wow. Okay. Cox also informed police the man riding this bicycle had remarked to him of his intentions to go for a ride in the country on that very day. Wow. Now that's pretty incriminating. Yep. Yeah. Light would later claim not to have known about Wright's death until he had read an article on July 8th. Mm, likely story. <laughs> I've like checked his gray suit. <laughs> I know. According to his evidence, he realized the dire predicament he was now in and worried over the matter for some time before deciding to do nothing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Except removing his bicycle from where he normally started in the attic. He, he claimed he had failed to come forward in response to the police and media appeals to avoid worrying his ailing mother. Oh, wow. Oh, he's also a big weenie. Uh-huh. But then yeah. in October 1919, Light took his bicycle from the attic before proceeding to file off the serial numbers from the frame. Well, now that's just silly because as if they would, anyone who saw him ride by would know what the serial number on his bike was. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> then he took the bicycle to the Upperton Road Bridge where he first detached the rear wheel, because remember, the rear wheel had the distinct backpedaling brake. Oh, right. Yep. And he dismantled the bicycle, and each section was thrown into the river. Oh, <laughs> as if that would make it harder to find. I mean, it's if you're going to find one piece of the bike, you're going to find, find all of it. Yeah. I also, know. I think it should, be, should have been a crime to take apart such a cool bike. Right, exactly, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay, so do you think he's guilty or innocent? I think he's guilty AF. 
Um, oh. I think he was jealous that she had a fiance already and she rejected him somehow. And then he shot her in the face. However, getting shot in the face is pretty personal. Yeah. I mean, why not shoot her in the leg or like even the chest? The face is like, that's really, if she were to ever survive that, it would mess her up for life. Right. Yeah. 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 So I have so. a, I have a different thought process in my a theory, but let's keep going. Okay. 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 So now it's February 1920, and a man was guiding a horse-drawn barge laden with coal along that Mm. same river. That's super British. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. The tow rope of the barge snagged the frame of the green bicycle, (gasps) bringing it to the surface of the canal. Yeah. So this man informed the police and a decision was made to drag the canal. And of course, other pieces of the bicycle were discovered. Huh. Okay. Examining the frame of the bicycle, investigators discovered that although the serial number had been filed off, the BSA brand name had been filed off the fork, but a faint serial number was still visible on the inside of the fork. Ooh. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. filing job. Yep. Inquiries at businesses which bought, sold, or otherwise repaired bicycles revealed this cycle had been bought by light nine years mm. earlier. Busted. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. Okay, the arrest. So remember, this murder happened July 5th, 1919. Yeah. Light was arrested on March 4th, 1920 at Dean Close School, where he had secured a position teaching mathematics just two months previously. Oh. How the heck did he get a job as a teacher if he had all those weird incidences with young children but anyway yeah yeah my credentials are peering under children's clothing and starting fires hire me (laughs) (laughs) okay so obviously he was charged with the murder of bella wright initially light emphatically denied ever been in or near galby on july 5th or to meeting Wright on this date he also Mm. initially claimed to have never owned a green bicycle Mm. but being informed of the positive link to his having purchased the bicycle via the serial number on the fork, he kind of changed his story a little bit. Yeah, I'm impressed by the police's Sherlock Holmesing of this. Yeah, I know. Ten out of ten on them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Cox identified Light. Remember, Cox is the bike repair guy. Okay. He identified Light from a police identity parade as being the individual who had repairs conducted on the distinct green bicycle on the day of Wright's death. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good good, good job, Cox. Yeah. And his Light's mother's maid, whose name was Mary Webb, informed investigators that on July 5th, Light had not returned home until approximately 10 p.m., Claiming his bicycle had broken down and that he had to push it home. Another well, I mean, that's possible. Maybe, yeah. But, but here's another yeah. interesting fact. He had also sold or destroyed all of the clothing he had worn that day. <sighs> Ooh, okay. Okay. On March 19th, additional pieces of evidence were found. An army pistol holder conclusively identified as having been issued to light. And a dozen live bullets were also hmm. dredged from the same canal which the sections of the bicycle had been retrieved. It would have been almost less incriminating to just keep it because if it's military issue, there's like thousands of exactly matching guns and bullets. Exactly. And of course the bullets were found to precisely match the spent bullet found at the crime scene. 
Well, yeah, guilty as heck. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's get to the, the trial. Okay. The trial of Ronald Light opened in Leicester Castle on June 8th, 1920, and he entered a plea of not guilty. Oh. Yeah. So he had a prosecution... I'm sorry. The prosecution team consisted of Sir Gordon Hewart, the Attorney General, Norman Burkhart, and Henry Maddox. And Mm. Light was defended by Sir Edward Marshall Hall. Oh, sounds very proper. I know. Okay. The the prosecution's contention was that a mile west of Galby, for unknown reasons, Wright had fled from Light panicked and headed south on an inferior road that was a possible route home, but not the shortest one. Light Hmm. Light took an alternate route with intentions to ambush her and laid in wait at a gate where he shot her before fleeing the scene. To support this contention, eyewitnesses and other individuals were introduced to testify as to having seen Light in the company of Wright on the evening of her murder, to his ownership of the bicycle, and his later efforts to both remove identifying marks on the bicycle, dispose of the bicycle, and dispose of the revolver and the bullets, all of that Mm. stuff. I mean, it seems pretty incriminating, but it's all circumstantial. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Furthermore, upon his arrest... Light had proceeded to tell the police numerous lies until confronted (gasps) with proof or inconsistencies. Lock him up for being a lion jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. At his own insistence and the advice of his lawyer, Light opted to testify in his own defense. You're you're never supposed to do that. No, that's what I thought. Yeah. In his testimony, Light conveyed himself in a well-spoken demeanor, he readily admit to having lied to the police upon his re- arrest before essentially admitting to everything testified to by other witnesses presented in his trial, except his possession of the service revolver and Wright's killing. Hmm. He still claimed that they had parted ways at that intersection. Well, I lied before, but I'm not lying now for sure. <laughs> Okay, on cross-examination, Light admitted that the holster, bullets, and bicycle recovered from the canal were indeed his, but claimed he had disposed of these items in a panic, having read the press coverage surrounding Wright's murder. So Uh that might be possible. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Noting the general public and media consensus that the man seen riding alongside her on a green bicycle had to be responsible for her death. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I could see the panic for sure, but like, it seems extreme to throw everything in the river. Yeah. 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 So he admitted that as an officer in the army, he had owned a service revolver, however, claimed he did not have the holster. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. That seems a little ridiculous. All right. All right. You're just carrying it in his pocket the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. Yeah. (laughs) Despite conceding that the prosecution had produced ample circumstantial evidence providing proving Light had indeed been in Wright's company shortly before her death, Marshall Hall stressed to the jury his client freely admitted the truth of their testimony before emphasizing the lack of a motive for his client to have killed Wright, Mm. adding the two had not known each other before their chance encounter on the evening of her death, and she had not been robbed or attacked. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he's got a point there. Yep. So... It goes to jury. The jury deliberated for three hours before returning with a verdict of not <gasps> guilty. Wow. And three hours is actually not that long in the grand scheme for, like, murder deliberations, I think. I, yeah. I 
would think it would be days and days, but I don't know. Yeah, I guess I don't know for sure either. Okay. Okay, so back to poor Bella. She was buried in the Church of St. Mary's on July 11th, 1919, in a ceremony conducted before several hundred mourners. Aww. And following his acquittal, Light returned to live with his mother in Leicester, where he initially maintained a somewhat reclusive lifestyle. For a time, though, he assumed the name Leonard Estelle, and okay. <laughs> he was fined in December 1920 for registering under a false name at a hotel where he had been staying with a woman. Oh, well, serves him right for getting in trouble somehow. Yeah, I know. So yeah. so that's the story. And here's huh. something fun that now happens because of that event. Uh, with hmm. with support from British Cycling, Leicester City Council organizes an annual guided cycle ride, which reenacts the case. Oh, that's so cool! Oh, we have to. Somebody go actually this. has to die, though. <laughs> right? Oh gosh, I hope not. Yeah, it says. Yeah, yeah not not it on being dollar right. <laughs> Participants visit significant locations pertinent to the events of July fifth, nineteen nineteen. And the police investigation before progressing to Leicester Castle, where segments of Light's trial are recreated. Oh, yeah. I know. I would. Love it would to. be so fun to see a reenactment of this. Yeah. So, real quick before we wrap it up, so what do you think happened? I think that he was kind of a show showy guy, and mm -hmm. I think he was showing her his pistol, and it went off accidentally. <gasps> ooh, ooh, I love that. So ooh. I think that he did kill her, but I, I. I don't, I just don't feel like there's a motive that like why would mm. he, he spent the entire, even if she said, Hey, I'm engaged. I don't want to be with you. I don't think he yeah. would kill her, but maybe he that would like start a, his, her bike on fire or something. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that does explain why she was shot in a sort of random location. Like who yeah. shoots people in the face? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. that's, that's like my that. thought. And oh. a couple fun facts before we end. For several decades following Light's acquittal, his green bicycle hung on the wall of a cycle shop in oh. England. Isn't that cool? <laughs> that is kind of cool. Yeah. And then yeah. in 1987 at Christie's auction, an anonymous bidder purchased the bullets and holster recovered from the river oh. <laughs> for $6,000. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. Okay. But what's interesting huh. is Ronald Light lived a free man up to the age of 89 when he died in 1975. Oh, wow. And he never burned anything down again, huh? <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> okay, yeah. No, no comment on that. Yeah. But, so there's yeah. the story. And uh, yeah. we will never know who did it. Oh, I hate not knowing. You feel like you wish you could know. But I guess if somebody gets shot in the country, like... It's not like they had surveillance cameras back in the day. So You're right. Yeah. So yeah. we need to, you know, give our heartfelt sympathy to Bella Wright and her family. And I guess if he, yeah. if he was innocent, I also apologize to his family. But I, <laughs> I have a feeling that he's guilty. Yeah, I think he's guilty. But if if not, then apologies. I yes. agree. But thanks our, for telling me that story. It was so interesting and engaging. Yeah. And hopefully the listeners enjoyed it, too. Yeah, and it was all about bikes. I would love to see a 1900s folding bike, yeah. early 1900s folding bike. Me too. All yeah. right. All right. Well, we'll, that, we'll come back to you next week with maybe less murder and maybe more bikes or yeah. maybe not. Well, listeners, that is it for this week. We both want to thank you for tuning in to listen to the Just Go Bike podcast. 
And if you'd like to contact us with a comment about the podcast, or maybe you have a topic in mind, you can reach us at justgobikepodcast at gmail.com. Or you can also follow us on social media at Just Go Bike on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, especially if you're a fan. And if you have any extra time, pop on over to the Morphology Podcast for more bike adventure interviews. All right, that's a wrap. We'll be back next week. Until then, just go bike!